Welcome to Being the Dot. I'm your host, Dr. Stacy. Each week, I invite a guest to share their experiences of being a person of color in white spaces. Today's topic, from Kiki and Coily to 4C to 3B, NDRE singing, I am not my hair, or Solange singing, don't touch my hair. And for my listeners, I am aware that I can't sing, but you will notice that I do quite a bit. And so I'm right, because it's, it's my show. So here's the thing. Black women have revolutionized themselves by taking the journey to transitioning to natural hair. That is wearing their hair in the way that God is growing it out of their heads. But not everybody has caught on. Since the 70s, there have been lawsuits about afros and locks and the wrestler who even had to cut his hair to participate in a match. In July, both California and New York passed state laws to make it illegal to discriminate against Black women wearing their hair in their natural status. Our guests today have taken the journey of being happy to be nappy despite the challenges. And I'm excited to talk with you, with, with them today about their journey and what they've learned and how they've grown and coped. Dr. Tamika Ellington, Associate Professor of Design at Kent State University Fashion School and Interim Assistant Dean for the College of Arts. Her creative scholarship is inspired by African art and folklore. Her work has been shown internationally, including two exhibits in Beijing, China. She publishes research in the discipline of social psychological aspects of dress for African-Americans and other minorities, such as people with disabilities. Her publications on hair have reached national and international recognition via peer-reviewed journals, as well as dress and cultural encyclopedias. We are thrilled about two of her upcoming projects, which include an exhibit entitled Textures, the History and Art of Black Hair, opening at Kent State University in fall 2021. And Dr. Tamika is also writing an an anthology entitled Navigating Black Hair Phenomenon in a White World. Exactly our topic today. This is being released in spring 2021. Dr. Tamika has 30-plus scholarly presentations and 25-plus non-academic keynote presentations. Our next guest, Tiara McGee. Tiara is an account executive at Blackwood, a cybersecurity integration firm based in the Washington, D.C. area. Tiara is originally from Texas, where she graduated from the University of North Texas, with a degree in psychology and criminal justice in 2017. After graduation, she decided to give back and make home in D.C. to do a city year, a program under AmeriCorps umbrella, where she taught inner city youth 10th grade English for a year and earned a scholarship to continue her education. After the program was complete, she pursued her professional career in sales and began climbing the corporate ladder very quickly ever since. Her passion for giving and helping others has never stopped as she launched Becoming My Legacy, a melting pot 
of all things she loves, including community service, inspiring women and youth, and helping people to find their own way to give back. She is currently looking to pursue a master's of business administration and continue to excel in her career. Follow Tierra at tierra.mcgee underscore and at Becoming My Legacy on Instagram. Dr. Tanya Ingram was born in Washington, D.C. and grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. She graduated from T.C. Williams High School and attended Norfolk State University, Behold the Green and Gold, earning a Bachelor of Science in Mass Communication. She holds a Master's of Education from George Washington University in Counseling and Development and a Doctorate in Community College Leadership from Argosy University. She worked in higher ed for over 25 years. After relocating to Texas in 2016, in 2018, she followed a lifelong dream of serving and working in full-time ministry at New Faith Christian Church. She serves as a director of Christian education. In this role, she develops and implements comprehensive discipleship opportunities, develops service programs for new members, manages volunteers, budgets, and works with the leadership team responsible for strategic planning and implementation for the church. She is married to Barry Ingram and has three children, Nia, Chloe, and Barry Jr. Being the dot, let's welcome our guest daughters, Dr. Tanya, Dr. Tamika, and Tierra McGee. So I'm wondering if each of you can tell me about your journey to natural hair and if you were in white spaces during your transition. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that right off. I mean, I've been natural now since 98. And so it's been many years. Um, I wanted to go natural back when I was an undergrad and I had gone over the summer of my completing my freshman year of college. I had gone to work for an amusement park and at the amusement park, you know, of course, they had their rules and regulations about what you had to wear you had to wear, of course, their uniform, but then there were other stipulations like such as you couldn't have, you know, extensive tattoos or you couldn't have a whole lot of piercings. And they gave regulations about hair. You couldn't have a whole bunch of wild colors in your hair. And then they started listing these hairstyles and all of the hairstyles that they listed were all black hairstyles. You couldn't have braids. You couldn't have afros. You couldn't have locks. And at that particular time, I was in the process of transitioning my permed hair over into an Afro. So I used to wear my hair like in a little cute curly Afro. And needless to say, I probably lasted maybe three weeks at the place. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here because these people are crazy. And at that time, I really just didn't understand what the big deal was. And so that kind of led me down this whole road of research that I've been doing, you know, since about 2002, um, after I finished my undergraduate and started working on my master's, the, the first topic that came to my mind was about natural hair because of the effect that it had on me and how I just could not understand how someone could put barriers, you know, on people because of their hairstyle. 
Well, this is Dr. Tanya Ingram, but you can call me T.I. And so I started my natural hair journey actually in the comfort of my home um, in 2003. I'd had my second child. Um, and, you know, they, they tell you when you're pregnant not to get the perm. And um, so I hadn't had the, the perm, the creamy crack, as we call it, or as I call it, and um, had just started noticing how um, full and shiny and healthy my natural hair looked. And so um, I decided that I was kind of working part time at the community college and um, would kind of have my hair uh, protective styles. You really couldn't tell what was going on. And then I had another child in 2005. So at that point, I was just outnumbered and I was uh, staying at home and had too many heads to do and butts to change, pampers to, yeah, it was just like a lot going on. And so I was able to just um, use weave. And so I just kind of started this journey. I kind of fell into it really that, yes, my hair was, was, was my natural hair looked healthier, um, but I was outnumbered. And so it was just, I needed something convenient. And so I started to do the weave. And every time I took the weave out, I realized I really love how my hair is looking. Um, and, and, and so it just kind of continued on until I went back to work in 2006. And then that's when um, I had to kind of navigate having this this hair in um, white spaces. And I, I feel like some of that I um, some of the fear that I imposed on myself and then some of it, um, it was real because I was um, a faithful go get your hair done every two weeks. That's my treat. That's what I do. Um, begging for a perm or a touch up. Um, every six weeks, like not six weeks in a day, like give it to me now. Um, so uh, it was interesting that that's when folks started to notice, like, are you doing something and, and your hairstyles are a little different? <laughs> and um, and so then it was just the, the issue of trying to navigate how to explain what I'm doing. And it wasn't just white spaces. It was also, you know, in my family it was I don't want to get too far ahead, but just, you know, like, what are you doing? And it was interesting because I had to help my mother who was natural, but she got her hair pressed, the straightening comb. But it's like, you're natural too. You just keep it straight. I'm natural and I want it coily. So it was interesting to try to navigate um, professionally and, and personally. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Tiara McGee. Um, I am a account executive at a cybersecurity firm. Um, and so I've done nothing but navigate with a lot of white male spaces. Um, it's not, um, you know, I probably, I'm the only black woman at my company, so there's that. Literally, uh, cybersecurity and in sales is really not a, a big uh, space for uh, black people in general, but really black women. So it's really hard to kind of advance, but I've, I've been making it. But um not without the struggle, not without some struggles. Um, so I started my natural hair journey. I actually did do the big chop right before I went to undergrad. I decided I wanted to go to college and kind of just like start over, but I used braids uh, as my advice to kind of like grow it. Um, and so I've been natural probably for like eight years now, seven or eight years now, um, but I've had like three big chops. Um, so definitely a love and growing uh, relationship, but within the the space, it's 
it's any of your classmates asking, you know, what, why is your hair uh, braided under like that? Or um, trying to touch, you know, trying to touch and say like, well, why didn't yours feel like this? Um, I remember even working at the schools like Starbucks and I had a wig on and it was red, like normal color red. And she was like, you can't have that. You can't work with that color in your hair. And I was like, wow, I'm so lucky that this is a, a wig that I could just take off when I get home because like, how am I, you know, like, how am I supposed to just not come to work when I have a coworker whose hair is red naturally? So it is a natural color, as they say, you know, so um, very, you know, very difficult. Um, and then especially trying to always explain when you have a new style. So coming into the office, I might have braids and someone's like, oh, um, I knew you had all that hair underneath that when you have your hair in those little updo things or whatever, like not even being able to articulate what they're trying to ask. Um, so. It's just been kind of, it's been difficult, but also something that I feel is expressive uh, for me. So, you know, I take, I take um, everything that they say kind of just like as another reason to keep on just being authentically myself with my hair. Because, um, hey, you know, it keeps them talking and memorable. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Um, and I can also say that I'm, I'm someone who absolutely loves natural hair, but I hate doing it. So I also understand that that as well. And it's, and it's an upkeep. I have like a 4C texture. So we already know that's that's some that's some love right there. And so I don't always have it all the time. I'm like, big top, cut it off again. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of my relationship with, with, with my natural hair. So what were some of the challenges that you, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced as it relates to your hair in white spaces? I think it's, and this is Tiara again, um, I think that for me, it's that they want you to fit their status quo. Um, and so you almost get overlooked when you have like your natural puff. I mean, there's days where I had to just like, okay, I don't really have time to do much. I just can literally slick it up and put it in a puff and stuff like that. And you're getting looks, uh, you're getting like, oh, well, what happened? You know, as if something happened to you and you're like, I'm just, you know, or did you, it's every time I wore my natural hair, oh, you cut your hair. No, it's, it's just in its natural state. So it's, it can be an uncomfortable space and it also becomes really redundant to have to keep explaining yourself um, all the time. So it almost feels like, you know, you're doing more than what your coworkers and colleagues have to do, like always, because like not only am I having to be black in this space with my hair in this space, but also try to do the same um, job that you guys are doing without all those question. Uh, this is Dr. Tamika, and um, I'm a professor at a PWI, and I know that with being in those spaces, my colleagues oftentimes would ask me things like, oh, well, your hair is different today, or oh, what did you do different to your hair? Like, they just couldn't understand the versatility uh, in Black hair, and so I would d just get questions about oh, well, it looks so different today. What did you do to it? I'm like, I didn't do anything to do it. Like, you know, anything to it except for just combing it out or, you know, whatever. Um, and I had locks for many, many years. Um, my first round of locks I wore for about 13 years and my hair got really long. So it was like all the way down my back. And I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm ready for a change. And so I cut my hair off and didn't say anything to anyone, you know, at my place of employment because it's not their business anyway. Right. And so 
I cut my hair off and I came back and and actually I didn't cut it all off. I just cut the lock shoulder shoulder length. And one of my colleagues who is a, a African-American person, but you wouldn't know that because of how she acts. So when I came in and my hair was a lot shorter, she was like, I can't believe you cut all of that beautiful long hair you had and blah, 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 blah. And why, you know, why did you cut all of that long? I'm like, what's the big deal? I'm still me. I'm still beautiful. I don't need that long hair to make me beautiful, you know? And so I would get silly responses and silly questions from both my white colleagues and a few black colleagues. This is T.I. And I think one of the challenges for me um, is because I've had a couple of big chops. I've had locks twice. Um, but when I didn't have the locks and I would wear the blowout style and straighten the hair and then all of the praise, oh, your hair is so beautiful. Oh, it's so long. We just didn't know till, you know, at one point I asked one of my colleagues, well, was I ugly yesterday? Uh, oh no, you know, I just put in, you know, whatever. So. That that I will tell you that is super annoying. It really is, it is super annoying. <laughs> and so you know, I I thought that that was um, challenging. You know, at the time, um, you know, it certainly was a white space, but there were enough women mm -hmm. of color who understood, you know, the journey, and then there were some who did not. Um, but it was just always, I felt like um, some rare artifact. Sometimes you walk in and it's like, we don't know what to do with you. And, and you know, it's yeah. like, it's yeah. my hair. But at the same time, it was a journey. Uh, and so for me, um, what I would do is just to start to share that journey. Um, and if you were uncomfortable, you were uncomfortable. I mean, it's my head, it's my hair. Um, you know, so I, I just, I took it as an opportunity because I think for any woman of color who's going to go natural, that that um, internal racism and bias is down in there. And so for me, I'll just speak for me that it was scary sometimes, like, you know, am I about to hair myself out of promotions? Am I about to, mm -hmm. will my look keep me from um, having leadership opportunities in the in this setting? Um, and so, you know, I, I was in higher ed at the time. And so it's a little more liberal and you, you have a lot of, of, of folks who are being their own individual selves. But um, it was it was really something that I kind of thought about, like, how is this going to impact me? Um, and as I kind of journeyed on, I just I realized it's my hair and um, and it's who I am. And, and one of the things that happened to me was um, we were in church and um, someone said, you know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I was like, yes, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so and then the, the other part of me said, but not your hair. Mm. And it was just like, I felt like a fraud. It's like, get congruent. Mm. If you are fearfully and wonderfully made, then the hair that grows out of your God-given scalp, that's your hair. That's what you need to work with. And so from then on, I mean, it, it kind of almost, not kind of, it became this kind of spiritual journey for me that number one, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, all of me. And number two, you know, you get this, oh, working with your natural hair is so hard. It's so difficult. And it was affirming for me because it was like, and you're worth the time. 
Like, you know, the three poopy butts get all the time and your husband gets all the time and you're helping everybody else. So can you just take the two or three or you know how the, the style at the shop can be the four hours to go sit down and get your hair done and have that time that is just for you. So those are my challenges. And I guess that's how I dealt with them. And I'm going to say all those things are, are really important. It'd be, it'd like to have that confidence and, you know, have it built up in you and be like, okay, every part of me is whole and beautiful and wonderful, especially you, you almost have to, because it's like you get up in the morning, you think your hair looks great, your little natural coils, whatever. And as soon as you go in there, someone trying to attack you and bring out, bring down your spirit. So it's like those knowing that you're, you're valuable and that from your head down to your feet is beautiful. You really have to, to be a black woman in those spaces, because if not, especially if you don't have the support, I mean, you, you'll walk in confident and walk out feeling like, you need to go get the sewing immediately or something like that. So um, that, that is really, really a vital piece in it. Yeah. I, this is Dr. Tamika. I pride myself on being authentic. And in my opinion, there's no way that you can be authentic if you are not truly authentic through and through. And so, you know, for me, it's just been as T.I. had mentioned being a spiritual, you know, growth, journey for me, you know, so my natural, natural hair is not just about aesthetics, but it's also about me being able to just be authentically who I am. So I, I was not going to share my story, but I, I will tell a little bit here. So I am also natural. Um, I started going natural about six years ago. I started relaxing my hair, I should say. And, um, and then I moved to rural America and, my negotiation, because I also was a every two weeks faithful girl, can I get a perm in four weeks? Like, why can't you touch it up? It'll be okay. You know, my hair is resilient. Like that was like my thing. And, um, and it has been a struggle to try to, I don't like the labor of doing my hair. I don't enjoy that. I just don't. And, um, but it's been part of my struggle has been to, um, to find someone who was close enough um, in the intensity of my schedule. So I have to drive an hour, hour and 15 minutes to get my hair done. Um, and, and so that is part of my challenge as well. And so some days I wash and go and it's like, good luck white people, because this is, this is, this is what's happening today. Um, and, and we just go with that. No, um, Dr. Tamika, I am reminded uh, when I think about some of the challenges around white spaces about um, an incident that we shared last summer. And I'm not sure, I mean, we, we cannot talk about that. Um, or if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, we could as well. <laughs> yes, of course. Last year, as Stacy mentioned, she and I had the wonderful opportunity to be at a women's leadership Institute where we actually got to stay for two full weeks in the in the university dorm room where we were. And some of the sessions that we had were not only leadership building kind of sessions, but also personal building kinds of sessions and getting to know you kinds of sessions. And one of the sessions had a skit in it where one of the facilitators was a black person. The other facilitator was a white person. And this is kind of how the whole conversation started. And so during the skit, the white person 
they were talking, the black person and the white person were talking. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the white person mentioned something about the black person's hair and said, oh, your hair looks so different today. Can I touch it? And started going towards, you know, her hand moving towards the person's head to touch their hair. And as that happened, all of the black women, there was about 16 or 17 of us in the room. And as that happened, all of the black women in the room were like, <gasps> like a gasp because they couldn't believe that this was about to happen. And many of the white women in the room did not understand why that was such a big deal. And so it, it started this whole spiral of a conversation as to, you know, what's so, you know, what's so, you know, bad about, you know, us wanting to touch your hair. And I had to stand up and like go through the whole history of like, okay, first of all, the reason why we feel so, you know, protective of our bodies is because you misused our bodies from the very beginning. And mercy. Okay. And so asking us if you could touch our hair is another way of basically having authority over our bodies. Mm. It's another way of treating us as if we mm. were pets. Right. This is not the zoo. This is not the zoo. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Well, and, and I think it's interesting because I was reading something um, in prep for this where the ACLU tweeted something that said something like, um, this is not about hair. This is about race and about the, the system of racism. And, um, and so it, it, it's very interesting to think about it from that way um, and, and not being about the hair necessarily, but the hair is the object that the racism gets projected onto. Oh, yes. Yes. And this is uh, Tiara speaking, and I, I literally read a quote where it was like, um, Black women have to literally think, okay, go into the interview with straight hair and then show up on your first day with your curly hair, right? So it's like, we know that this is preventing us from moving up in roles or not um, being hired or maybe just being overlooked all the time. And that is just, I mean, that is systemic racism, like plain and simple. Um, not being able to just be yourself just because my hair doesn't grow out straight like yours um, makes me devaluable um, is, is just absurd. And like, that's something that, or we add a splash of color or we do this, but if my counterpart decides to have rainbow in their hair, somehow it's just okay just because it's straight. Like I don't, you know, that part is where it really is really hurtful. And it's, I mean, it just has to change, but there's a lot of things that need to change. In this. I've made a decision that if I go on a job interview that I'm wearing my hair, how I wear my hair. I'm not getting it straightened. I'm not going to relax it. I'm not, because guess what? I'm going to show up eventually. It's going to be like this and uh, like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And so I may as well let you know who I am and have you make an informed choice about whether I'm a fit for your organization right. versus you making the decision on my relaxed hair, because it's not, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know the last time I had my hair straightened. And so that was my decision when I moved from um, one community college to the other. And uh, I just wore a lot of protective styles. And um, I just decided that I'm not going back to get my hair done for the interview. I had just gotten it done and it was two strand twist and coilies and the whole bit. And that's how I went in. Because, you know, for me with the interviews, I'm interviewing you like you're interviewing me. 
And I know that I'm not making a commitment to relax my hair or have my hair blown out. Like I'm, I'm a natural woman. I, I, this is how I wear my hair. Um, and, and I got the job and it was fine. But again, that leap of kind of faith and of, um, courage to just to say, this is who I am. And, you know, either this is what you want or not. And this is the environment that I want to be in or not. Um, you were talking about, um, challenges and, um, another challenge that I found um, was trying when I realized that I needed to get some hair products and trying to, and I was, you know, I was in Northern Virginia. Um, but, you know, as you take this journey, then you start to realize that a lot of the commercially made products have a bunch of stuff that's really not healthy for our hair. And it's a lot of oils and gunk. And, um, and so just going to this, aisle or going to a whole beauty store and finding this teeny weeny section out of all of these products um, that was really designed to maintain and keep your natural hair healthy. And it was just amazing to me that, you know, everything had wax and this and that. And, um, you know, and I, and I think even with the, with the driving, like initially when I went natural, like people said that they were natural stylists, but then there was a big jar of creamy crack on the counter. So it's like, not really. I mean, you're not what I'm looking for because I want someone who works exclusively with natural hair that won't come towards my head with a rat tail comb and think that they're going to get my hair like straightened out because that's going to be a problem. Right. So, you know, it, it, those were just some of those, those challenges, um, quality stylists that really understood natural hair and even the whole product piece, you know, I mean, you go in and say, where's your, your natural hair or, or, or even how they labeled it. Like, it was just weird. I mean, I think it was like one place I went to and it was like colored hair. And I'm like, what are we doing? Did we like fall back? You know, Virginia can be a little interesting sometimes. So it was just really hard to like find the products and then the way they had them labeled. And it was always like the hair aisle and then the black hair section. And then you put natural hair under that. Oh, boy. Yeah, so was, that was annoying as well. You got to also think with the chemicals that come within the products. I mean, the health effects that come with, there's a direct correlation with some of the things that specifically Black women have to put on our heads that have us having um, clot, blood clots or having issues. Like, I mean, it's literally, you know, you can see the research for it. And it's just like, what other ways are you guys trying to kill us, basically? You know, and it's and it's insane just because I want to embrace my hair and do that. Um, and now I have to even go another step further where you guys can just go pick up a random bottle of Pantene with whatever flavor it is that month and be just fine. Like I can't do the same thing. And it just sucks to not have that type of security that, that unless it's, you know, a black owned or natural uh, product that I can't just go and maybe be anywhere and find something that's going to suit what I need for my horsey hair. Um, so that's also something that I, I thought of too. And I think one other challenge is, negotiating the hair appointment, <laughs> which after a while I had to just educate my white male boss that like my hair, I can't just go and get my hair done in 15 minutes. Like I have a standing appointment. This is whatever, but I have a standing appointment mark and I need to be out of here and it's going to take a minute. And, you know, again, that went back to taking care of myself. So yes, I tried to be gracious and start at six, 
but the person that I wanted to do my locks, because in particular they were interlocked and not the, the twisting uh, mechanism that you can use for locks. So my girl was in Maryland. I needed to be out. I mean, we, you know, after a while, I just educated my colleagues as well. Like you all know that Thursday's my hair appointment. It's going to take a minute and stop it because, you know, some of you all have sat here all day and didn't do any work anyway. So don't try to get on me because I want to leave at 430. Right. I remember telling my boss once, I literally said that if the net, you know, if, if you guys don't want me to have to go take this appointment, then I'm going to. I mean, you're going to come into the office. You're going to see someone in my hair in the office. If that's what you want, because I can't, you know, I can't do both. Like I need to go get the, um, you know, they, he, you know, they were like, you're, you're right. You know, I'm yeah. like, just, just the way that you guys are able to do everything else. Our, my, ours might just take y'all say you want our hair styled or something like that. Well, then let me go get it done. Okay. So one of the things I negotiated this past school year was a half a morning off a month where I went and got my hair done and I went to therapy. Yeah. And, and it has made, and I didn't do that every time. Like I did other things during that time, but nevertheless, the time was there to make that happen for myself. Um, and it was, it was, it was glorious. Yeah. I remember um, as you were speaking T.I. about people who were advertising themselves as natural hairstylists and really were not, um, I had a really, really interesting appointment that I had. Um, I was referred to this particular lady from a friend of mine who was natural and who really, you know, talked a lot about how great this lady was and how impressed she had been with how the lady did her hair. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll try her out. And at the time I was just wearing my hair kind of like in an Afro. Um, I needed to get my hair trimmed. So I went in there sat down and the lady told me, she said, well, here, I'm going to hand you this comb and I need you to comb your hair out. I'm like, what? I'm paying for your service and you want me to comb my own hair out? She was like, yeah, I'm just really, you know, I'm really um, tough on hair and I just don't want to, you know, um, make your head hurt and all this. I was like, okay, done. Girl, go to nursing school. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. Why are you a hairstylist? Why are we afraid to tackle hair? That's also, and that's another thing. You're nasty. You're afraid to touch my hair. What does that make me feel like as a client? Exactly. Yep. So she had, she gave me the comb and had me sit there and comb my hair out. But I bet you didn't go back a second time. No, I did not. I think I would have left too. But who knows? <laughs> So Tamika, you started you you started transitioning in ninety eight. Tanya, when did you start transitioning? Two thousand three. And then what about you, Tiara? I did I did uh, two thousand and thirteen. So what I'm what a part of the reason I say that and I'm two thousand fourteen ish that Tanya and Tamika um, transitioned before it was popular. That's right. That's right. I was just going to say, honestly, I'm wrong because I went to my high school class reunion mm -hmm. with a small fro. So I did. So that was probably more, maybe that was like 2099. Yes. And I remember the looks and the, you know, the kind of the, you look great. I think like, no, I look great. I do. I look good. But, but yeah, it was my, the high school class reunion because I I was like, 
I love this hair. Um, besides locks, the 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 fro is the best ever. And you know, I popped a flower in there, and I was like, "Girl, you doing it?" Yeah, yeah. You could tie it. You could work a teeny weeny fro with that flower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was you, you oh did that. Goodness. You definitely did. Starting that. on the natural hair journey before it was popular was difficult, especially back then because I was a single woman. You know, date. And one of the things that I noticed that as I was in the process of going natural, actually, I, what I did was I just in 98, I just did the big chop. So I had my perm pair and I just cut it all off. And this guy that I was seeing, he was like, why did you do that? What do you mean? Why did I do it? Why not? And of course, he and I didn't end up lasting very long. Mm -hmm. And I would go out with my girlfriends. We would go out to the club and, you know, go dancing or whatever. And they would get all the guys like hitting on them and like nobody would hit on me. If a guy did hit on me, it would be someone who was uh, who, who a guy who had locks, who was very, quote unquote, um, you know, culturally conscious. Right. Right. You're Rastafarians. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's kind of like. At that time of my life, it really limited the pool of men that I could date. Thank God, you know, thank God I met my husband, but you know, it did. It limited the pool of people that wanted to talk to me because I had natural hair. I found it being demographic as well. So I originally grew up in Texas and I feel like um, we definitely had bundles. Like it was, it was pressed hair, Southern, very, very together, you know, never leave without your earrings hair straightened, bundles, whatever. Um, and then when I moved out to the DMV, I felt a whole shift. And uh, Dr. T, I actually stayed in Northern Virginia. I stayed in Shirlington for two years and now I'm in DC. But uh, when, when I came out here, I felt the complete shift. When I went out, I wasn't getting as much attention with like a bundle or whatever. I was like, wow, they really like natural women out here. So I embraced, like I actually found demographically that um, you're, it's accepted more or different too. That has a big, big play in it as well when it comes to dating. Um, so almost that, that was a positive, uh, when I came out here for sure, like seeing all the natural hair. I taught 10th grade English at Anacostia high school when I first came out and all my students having locks, like, and just, I was just like, wow, they're just so beautifully authentic and don't care. And this is what it is. And it really helped me embrace also. I mean, I had been natural for years prior, but there was still that kind of like back and forth. But when I came out here, I really was like, wow, like, yeah, I'm just going to be myself. And, and But speaking to the hairstylist, there's also the ones that think that they know natural hair and then you end up with um, heat damage. And I, that's why the chop happened again. You're flourishing and it's like, wow, I trusted you and you've destroyed my hair. So it's just, yeah, obviously. But I wanted to touch on on the video for sure. Thank you for that. So would you like to offer anything for our listeners about how you have coped with some of the challenges as it relates to your um, your natural hair? And not your own challenges necessarily, but the challenges of other people. Uh, but maybe your own too. Oh, yeah. So this is Tiara again. Um, so, and just to make sure I understand the question, you, you're wanting to know what advice that, that I would give. So going back to just like being yourself and really finding wholeness within yourself, I would say that, you know, like I said, it, your hair 
and who you are are not separate things. Like, you know, you have to really take it as a spiritual journey and like that it is something that, okay, when my hair is, and I feel most confident when I'm in my natural state, not with the sewing, I'm not with all these things that, that had it been, when I can really accept that, hey, this is the God-given texture I have and figure out how to work with it, make it like a love story. You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to fall in love. Um, you, you're doing the work to try to love yourself every day. You know, it's no different with your hair. Um, be patient with yourself because it, it is hard. I mean, you're undoing all of the things you were taught. You're undoing all of the uh, racism that comes with you having your natural hair. You're honestly asking, like not even asking, but like not by just being yourself, you're inviting more problems, basically. So it's just being prepared, being prepared for that, but then having grace and patience with yourself and being confident and strong. And honestly, just, and I would do research as well um, with, to look at similar women who are embracing their natural styles, music that empowers us and um, try to find just what works for you and maybe what your perfect style is for your hair. So, so, uh, so um, Tiara, you went, you went to the next question, but I think what I was asking, what I was asking was how have, are there things that you did to cope with some of the challenges? But then the next question is, what advice would you give your pre-natural self? So as far as coping, um, just being patient with myself and others. Like if you sign up to do something so back then radically different, you can expect questions, you can expect stares, you can expect that you're going to be the natural hair guru and answer all kind of questions. And so, you know, in that community college setting, I was educating my white peers, my black peers, students who would come in um, and whisper in my office, I'm thinking about going natural. What should I do? You know, so all of a sudden you become this coach and mentor and, you know, and sometimes the the billy club, because, you know, when folks are trying to really be weird about it, you know, you kind of have to set that boundary um, and, and, and again, just educate. And we all get tired of those questions. I mean, you know, collectively it wears you down. You are the 15th person who's wanted to touch my hair or see if I cut it or, you know, praise it when it's long. And so I just think like being patient. Um, and then I think the other thing is, uh, just kind of normalizing it. Like this is my hair because when I moved from natural, kind of free flowing hair to locks. Like that was another journey because I understood that locks, I mean, at that time, if you had locks and that meant you smoke pot and, you know, only like reggae music. I mean, it was just like, and I had to work at like, this is my hair and this is how I choose to wear it. Um, and so as much as it was a spiritual journey and that whole piece, it was just kind of normalizing it. And then um, communicating that. So so I could train people on here's how you will interact with me. I'm going to teach you how to treat me. Um, and we do that all throughout our lives. But um, but certainly I, I think, you know, that that was, you know, something that I had to kind of work on my pre natural hair self advice. I would give my pre um, natural hair. I, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that. um you know, God loves the coily haired girls and he loves the straight haired girls and he will work all things together for your good, regardless of your hair. Because I think that's the that's the scariest part that will I lose acceptance? And, you know, I mean, you know, you talk about being single. Well, you know, think about 
also coming home married, like you married me this way. And now I'm about to do this. Um, you know, I hope you'll stick around and we don't have to fall out because of hair, but this is what we're doing. Um, so I hope you will stick around. I mean, you know, again, I was just like a, a, a hair mafia gangster. So my husband understood a couple of things like we don't share. And one of them is my hair, like put the money in the account. I get my hair done every two weeks. And you don't get to have a lot of any opinion about my hair. And and fortunately for me, right. And fortunately for me, he he loves my hair and he, you know, he did not have to, to, to fake it. But I have friends and they transition and they, when they were married and it was a challenge. Um, so, you know, I just think the biggest thing is like, don't be afraid. Like you, you've got to do this um, for yourself because it means so many other things, but don't be afraid. This is Dr. Tamika. For me, I would say my coping mechanism was really the fact that I chose natural hair as my topic, my, my line of inquiry, my research. And so because of the fact that everyone, all of my colleagues knew that I researched natural hair, so it was only natural for me to have natural hair. Um, and so that was a way that I kind of coped with it because it was something that I was always very curious about. I wanted to you know, be able to understand the culture of women and the things that they dealt with in regards to their hair. So, you know, my way of coping was just because it was my work, you know, and it's it continues to be my work. Uh, something that I would say to myself, my my pre-natural self is. You should have did this a long time ago, like before you should have did this before all of I, you know, I think back to all of the issues that I have with my hair you know, in high school and like transitioning from a, a, a curl to a perm and all of that stuff and all the damage that happens to your hair. And I would have did it a long time ago. I also think about like parents, right? Like I, my my mom was like, you know, well, your hair, I just, it's too thick or whatever. And a perm was done at some point without, you know, me knowing what it was. And that was just what it was. But I remember it burning and the calluses and the things like that going to the, you know, and you do think like, well, why didn't we just, you know, why wasn't this taught sooner? Or why am I just now learning? And I'm in these, you know, I'm almost an adult or I'm at this age. And I mean, it just comes from, I mean, it's just a little generational, just unlearning a lot of things that we have normalized uh, to be beauty standards. And um, yeah, it's it's just a journey. So can you patient. Any advice you would give to your pre-natural self? So um, I would say that the hair grows back. Because when I first did it and I was, you know, growing, growing out my hair, it was just like such a big thing not to have like short hair. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't need, it's okay to be a ball. Okay. Like, it's okay to not have it and be in that process because it's just a stage of growth. I think um, accepting, accepting that it's a journey um, and that it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to have like hair down to your back tomorrow. Um, so I think that I would tell myself like, it's, it's okay to start over if things don't go right or to um, a little sooner anyway, learn that a little bit sooner. So just be patient. What's the one piece of advice that you would give white people in dealing with black people or black women as they are transitioning to make their place a more inclusive place as it relates to hair? In my opinion, 
on all aspects of how white people deal with black people, you know, regardless of whether it's hair or just us just being who we are in our black skin is just get over yourself. You know, just get over yourself. Really. I am here to stay. I'm not going anywhere. You have to work with me. I'm not here to compete with you. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to be my best person. And, you know, you feeling threatened by me, that's, that's on you, but just, just get over yourself. If you can get over yourself, then we can do this. You know, we can get along, we can work well together, but I need you to just get over yourself. Uh, this is Tiara. So um, one thing that I said was they really need to challenge their privilege and uh, being able to identify their um, blatant and passive white supremacist ways. So you have to be able to acknowledge and check each other, right? Like I can go to a white person and say, hey, don't do this. Don't say that time blue in the face. But I feel like the real change for them happens when another one of their peers corrects the behavior or checks the behavior. But until they start taking accountability for the fact that they are not perfect or that their world is not this what they think it is um, and that black people exist in it. And there are things that their ancestors have done and continue to do that is innately rooted in them that we and, and like the same with us, that we're unlearning. They have to be willing to unlearn and take accountability for their actions themselves internally, but then also as a community, be able to to correct that when they see it happening, because it happens, you know, all the time with the things that they say. If a black, a white person comes up to me and asks to touch my hair, another one of their coworkers needs to say, don't you know? Like, where, where have you been? Right. And I feel like until that starts happening, it's going to be a constant. Like, it's not our problem. You don't go to the person that's the victim and ask them to fix it. Right. So um, I think that they just have to start. Yeah, they, they just have to do something. <laughs> but they have to start taking accountability. Um, and what you're saying, Tiara, about that is it really is what has to happen in order for us to get along as people, regardless, you know, they have to, you know, like you said, we can't answer all your questions as to how you should treat us. Right. You need to work that out yourself. I'm not white. I'm still dealing with what y'all are doing to me constantly, actively, presently, while you still want me to say, I, I, it's not my job anymore. Uh, and I think that our, you know, before us, they've always tried to appease or make, this is not those times anymore. Like, I don't have the time to coddle you or babysit. There's plenty of research. Go out there, figure it out, apply it. Or as I say, Google.com. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> T.I., you want to weigh in? Yeah, sure. And so I think um, what I would say to, to white people to make you know, the environment more inclusive is, you know, on an individual level to understand that this is a shared space and that your existence is not the only existence that we need to make room for and space for. Mm. And so, you know, whatever it is that um, you think that you have the, the reign over, just understand that alongside of you, I think the same thing and the next person and the next person. So because this is a shared space, we have to value each other. I do think that um, there are ways in environments through like um, policies and practices that you can set a tone so that, you know, as we are um, 
interviewing people and the pictures in the walls. I mean, just, you know, that there are, there's a way that you can set a tone that we embrace difference. Even if we don't understand it, we embrace it and we honor it. And so, you know, I just, I think that, um, again, there's this educational piece that has to happen. And I, I mean, it's annoying, but I am, aware that it just has to happen. And I'm not saying that I like it every day, but it, it and that it's not, it doesn't fatigue you. But I think, you know, you, you kind of kind of help some folks along a little bit. And, you know, I feel like I have come across some, some um, white people who did not understand and needed that first push. So yeah, go Google it or look at this or the, um, just that quick lesson about black and brown bodies and, and the history of all of that. Um, but then, you know, you meet that person that is like, they just are ignorant. They don't want to educate themselves and they're not trying to move the needle on their privilege or, you know, their, their fragility. And so you choose that day. I'm not fooling with you. My hair is my hair and just get over mm -hmm. it. But, uh, but you know, I just think like, yeah. like this is a shared space for everybody. Like you got to share now. So scoot over. Thank you so much to our guests, Dr. Tamika, Tierra, and Dr. Tanya. We appreciate your candor and honesty and sharing your stories today and look forward to connecting to you in the future. This episode was edited by Caroline Bone. Special thanks to our podcast intern, Amanda Gillette. Our music is provided by Jaffa. Being the Dot is sponsored by davisdeliciousdelights.com. davisdeliciousdelights.com, custom-made personalized pastries, cakes, pies, and cookies made with a dash of Southern flair. Visit davisdeliciousdelights.com and use the coupon code BEINGTHEDOT for 20% off orders of $35.99 or more. 